Welcome to the Business That Matters Spotlight. I'm Warren Coughlin, founder of this podcast and business coach to ethical entrepreneurs who want to build a business that matters. In short, I help you end chaos and gain control over your business so that you predictably and reliably achieve the profits, the lifestyle, and the impact you strive for through a team you can trust without the stress and frustration. When you experience this, you're more confidently able to make the world or just your corner of it a bit of a better place. At The Spotlight, we believe that every entrepreneur has a unique message that can positively impact the world and inspire others to do the same. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. And welcome to the Business That Matters Spotlight. I've been really looking forward to today's conversation as I've come across kind of a professional soulmate. Uh, like me, Dan King was a lawyer. Uh, I always say I'm a recovering lawyer. And like me, Dan found his way into coaching. And I really didn't want to miss this conversation. See, the background is a little bit different. I'm actually running this, uh, this particular session from my cottage up at beautiful Sparrow Lake, Ontario. That's why it looks a little more casual today. Um, apart from the work his company Fireside Strategic does, he's committed to making business more human, which I kind of like to talk about too. So Dan, welcome to the spotlight. Well, thank you for so much for having me, Warren. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to have you. So tell me, what does Fireside Strategic do and how did you come up with that name? Yeah. So Fireside Strategic is a company that offers thought partnership to CEOs to help them integrate their humanity to grow their business. That's the way I put it. So... Fireside Strategic is about understanding where does business growth actually come from? You know, most of the consultants, I think, and most of the people that are internally working to grow businesses often do so through strategy and they do so through using their brains. And all that is great. I'm a, like you, I'm, I used to be a lawyer, so, you know, I know how to use the brain a little bit. But I think if you actually ask the question, what truly grows businesses in a sustainable way? My view is that so many people in business ignore their humanity. They ignore their feelings. They ignore their emotions. They ignore their intuition. Oh, no. A human that you can combine with strategy and you can grow businesses substantially. We're able to often double the business outcomes of our clients in a way that I think some other but few other consultancies can. And I think it's because we use a wide range of disciplines. We use the humanities, we use psychology, as well as business strategy to understand why a business hasn't grown as much as it might have. And, you know, businesses are made up of people. So why would you ignore the human element? And in doing so, is that, is it an internal, it's an internal coaching piece or do you do like lead generation work when you're saying that it's a business growth yeah. problem? We do these days very little implementation. We are mostly internal, mostly working with the CEO. So we work with companies up to about 100 million in revenue. These are typically smaller companies, smaller private companies in which the CEO really sets the tone for how a company operates. And if that CEO isn't bringing their full humanity to the table, and we can get into some examples of, of situations I've come across, like a CEO who, you know, of a $5 million company who's still doing most of the sales, but they're subconsciously afraid of sales, you bring their humanity to the table, you unearth that fear, the business is going to do much more effectively. And so when you say bring their humanity to the table, what does that look like yeah. practically, like in a conversation yeah. with someone? Um, yeah. is, it, is it vulnerability or like... Even define that term humanity because sure. it's a very it's a very broad term. So when you're talking about it with clients, yeah. what does that mean? It is a broad term. Um, 
I'll give, you a, I'll give you an example, maybe to set the scene here. So I'm talking about this client of ours who at the beginning of working with us was quite afraid of sales. The thing about leadership is that it's hard to be vulnerable because we think we're responsible for all kinds of other people. Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of reasons why, you know, especially as men, we haven't been socialized to be vulnerable. And so it's really tricky for a CEO to admit that they're afraid of something. It's tricky for a CEO to find a space where they feel comfortable talking about fear, vulnerability, all that good stuff. And so we can create a container in which CEOs feel like they have a space where their thorniest questions can be explored. We call it thought partnership, maybe more more than coaching. And so we had a CEO um, and, and I had a sense just from going really deep with him that He's not showing up for as many sales calls as, as are being generated here. What's going on? And so we started to really empathetically explore the fact that he was afraid of sales. We went into why that was the case. And so to me, humanity means um, honesty, right? It means an introspective exploration, who we are and what's happening for us in our business, bringing all that up, having a conversation about it, and then actually making changes that can flow in many different directions. But, I, but that, that's sort of how I think about humanity here. And does it apply mostly in that sales context or do you, do you dive into it in terms of team management or supplier management or just personal goal setting? Like how, how expansive is your, is your approach with the CEOs? Yeah, you know, we're, we're interdisciplinary, so it, it's very expansive. I say that we're specialists in business growth but we incorporate many different philosophies into our work. So my business partner is a strategy consultant. She brings a very hardcore, rigorous, analytical business strategy perspective to the table. As a coach trained in psychology, I bring psychology to the table. We bring classical philosophy into the mix. We're very interdisciplinary. So we're specialists in business growth, but we attack problems from a wide variety of perspectives because reality is complex. Business growth is complex. So your support system should reflect that. And when you're dealing with clients, I mean, it's interesting when you talk, you're doing classical philosophy and too, do mm-hmm. the clients, do they view it all as a practical problem solution focus or do they, do they get engaged at that deeper level that even yeah. regardless of what the business outcomes are, this is just yeah. very, you know, opening to, to who I am and how I show up in the world. Yeah. You know, I, I think the beginning for most CEOs is more of that problem solution focus. We are hired because we have demonstrated results of helping businesses grow substantially. So there's that very clear, I have a problem. I think you guys can solve it, right? I think that's a big part of the reason we're hired. But I also think that we attract a unique kind of CEO. So we attract someone that is pretty broad-minded. We attract CEOs who have interests beyond business. You know, people that are purely focused on just business, this is my entire life, probably not the best fit for us. I think we attract, you know, one one of our CEOs the other day said, you know, Dan, I just, I really want more diversity of thought in my life. You don't hear that from every CEO, right? And so we're divergent thinkers as opposed to convergent thinkers. Your audience may or may not have heard the term. We see all kinds of possibilities, right, that others may not see. This is how we're able to incorporate different domains into the mix. I think sometimes divergent thinkers can be a little less focused, but we focus on business growth. It's just that we solve the problems that come up from having many different interests. And interesting, it helps the CEO be more authentic. And isn't that interesting that a more authentic leader creates better results for the business? Bang on, bang on, exactly. 
Exactly. And how did your how did your background prepare you for this? Because you don't, you know, in the stereotypical way, one doesn't think a lawyer is the person you would yeah. turn to for deep analysis of one's own humanity and, and emotional vulnerability. <laughs> Well, it's funny. Those of us that choose the path of law and leave it, I find often make incredible coaches. I've run into a number of others. And I think there's this self-awareness journey for so many of us. We realize that we chose law without going through a process of introspection. I know in my case, I didn't even really understand what practicing law was. And I just ended up there. I, I tell the story that I got a fortune cookie at a Chinese restaurant that said, you will make a great lawyer. And <laughs> wasn't the only reason I chose it. I had family and, you know, I had friends saying, oh, you're really good at arguing and speaking. You should be a lawyer. So I, I didn't really go deep into my own. I didn't know much about myself at the time. So I applied myself to, you know, a set of facts that, that really didn't fit. And I think, you know, I, I think what happened is number one, you know, when you're in a place that feels wrong, you do learn a lot about yourself. Yep. You end up finding tools. And, and I found psychology to be a really helpful discipline for helping me understand why something wasn't quite working. And so I think I am able still, even knowing that law was not a fit, that it wasn't me in a deep way, I did learn a lot from it. And I credit it with the development of verbal skill. Crafting questions is a big thing we all do as executive coaches, right? And I yep. think the other thing is, you know, Lawyers are, here's the one, here's the thing that lawyers are absolutely best at, convincing other people that they're smart. We're really, really good at that. <laughs> and that's helpful. CEOs want smart people to work with. Yeah. So I think if I hadn't had the legal training, I might not be quite as able to obviously demonstrate intelligence. I always used to say laws filled with smart people who can't think of anything better to do. <laughs> bang on, bang on. So what makes, you know, apart from just the humanity piece, but at a practical level for clients yeah. as well, what makes Fireside special and like no false modesty? Like why do people yeah, love, yeah. love dealing with the business and stick with you? Yeah, yeah. It's a really, really good question. And and of course, getting people the results when so many consultants aren't able to is a big reason. But I think we do practice what we preach in terms of truth telling. So we will fire ourselves, for example, if a client isn't the right fit. We will tell the truth at such a deep level. I mean, the, the first client that we onboarded uh, turned out not to be a fit. Uh, and we weren't, we didn't lie or mislead him in any way, but we didn't make it clear to him in as much detail as we might have what the experience was going to be like. And so there was sort of wonderful human being who we still get along with, but we made kind of a mutual decision. Ooh, this just isn't the right fit. Right. And so if you're going to, inspire others to bring hum their humanity to the table. You've got to bring your own to the table. You've got to do your own work. You've got to be so honest. You've got to challenge yourself to show up at the highest level of, of integrity. And I think it would be harder to get clients the results if we weren't so committed to doing that and talking about our failures here too, Yeah, as an example. Well done. And so what's the you know, at a personal level for you and them through the mm. business, like what's the difference in the world you want to make? There's one thing to help an individual CEO do better, yeah. but at a, yeah. at a more global level as a purpose for the business, what's the, what's the difference yes. or the impact you want to make? You know, my, my business partner and I come from white collar, hardcore white collar backgrounds where we were working many, many hours in very intense uh, places. And I might say that those were some pretty unconscious work cultures. I don't think 
many people there were aligned with any sense of purpose. I don't think people there made too many decisions about the lives they wanted to build and were thinking of using work in order to build those lives. I think the pandemic has created this incredible opportunity for so many of us to reevaluate what is the role of work in our lives and what do we want our lives to be? And so for us, we think about bringing humanity into business. There's a tremendous opportunity to approach business from a sense of fun and lightness. It doesn't have to be a grind. It doesn't have to be suffering. So if we bring the energy of suffering and grind and hustle 50,000 hours a day to the work we do, others will feel that. And very often we work with CEOs who, again, bring us in for the growth piece initially, but what they often get in exploring their humanity is a reevaluation of how they want to show up at work and how an entire company can be at work. So for us, the really exciting sort of mission underlying it all is a more human workspace, a more human working world is one in which there will be better health outcomes, people will be less stressed, and there will be a sense of kindness and, dare I say it, even love in the workplace. And I don't know if you're feeling the chills. I'm, I'm starting to feel the chills as I reflect on all this. Business is really, really painful and work is really painful for so many people. And so alleviating that suffering is core to what we do. Nice. I, I've often said one of the most powerful strategic questions you can ask yourself in any decision making is what would love do? And mm. sometimes people think that's a really squishy kind of question, but when you dive into it, it's really badass. Like it's very strategic. It's really, it really requires you to move to a high level of integrity and make yeah. really, because people say something as simple as, oh, that person isn't performing. What would love to? Well, you have to work with them, and, but they're not performing affects 12 other people in the organization. What would love do mm. for them? Mm. And all of a sudden the, the conversation becomes way more complex, um, but it's a pretty powerful exercise. And, and so this making the workplace is like that. Like, why does that matter to you so much? Mm. Is it just because of your own experience or is there, is there, what's the driver that says, this is the, yeah. this is why I want to do this. I, I think by the way, I'm going to steal that. What would love do uh, from you, Warren? I, I've got your permission. I'm assuming. Absolutely. Um, why, why does this motivate me? It, it's a very good question. And there, you know, I, I've long thought that most people who enter the coaching realm are doing so at least partly to save a previous version of themselves. This mm. is a huge thing I see from so many coaches. So I am sure that that is part of the equation. I think, well, initially so many businesses, especially coaching businesses, begin from that place that helps some version of oneself. I think the more that one goes deep into love, um, altruism, one becomes more secure about one's gifts and what one can contribute. I think you get to a place where you just want to help the shit out of your clients. I was thinking right. about this. I, I told the client yesterday, I just want to help. I, I remember the words I used, but I said something like, I just want to help the shit out of you. And I think so much of what started me off in business was this saving a previous version of myself. These days, it's, I'm only going to work with people that really light me up. So it's not inauthentic to say, I want to help the shit out of you. Like anyone that we work with, that that's the truth. Yeah. It's cool. I had a client recently. It was really sweet, but she, she actually said, you're the moral compass of our business. I went, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> it was almost a little scary. 
Um, now, for you, for you personally in your own business, as well as the clients that you're dealing with when you're introducing these concepts of humanity, do you see any compromise or sacrifice between between those values and the profitability either of your business or your client's business? Someone's using a lawyer for a moral compass. That's the most frightening thing I've heard in a long time. <laughs> uh, great, great question, though. Um, and, you know, be honest, I've never seen any studies that say that approaching business from the sort of perspective that you and I do necessarily creates more profit. I'll tell you my hunch. My hunch is that sometimes in the short term, it doesn't. Because if we try to approach business from less of a hustle and grind, there are going to be certain ways in which we take our foot off the gas. And there may even be, to be really honest, an initial period of calmly calmly reflecting on what's happening and selling a little less. We went through a period like that. We had a month of you know, about 75,000 came in. And then we thought, ooh, there's a few changes we want to make to our service. I know that it's going to be even more profitable down the road, but I took my foot off the gas. Right. And I grew a little less for a bit. I see this with our clients as well. Here's what I think, though. Take Costco, compare Costco to Walmart. Walmart is more like foot on the gas all the time, go. Whereas Costco is a bit more deliberative, a bit more thoughtful, a bit more, what's the energy and the spirit we want to bring to this business? And so I think that there is a steadier growth, less of a herky-jerky, balls-to-the-wall hustle, 10 billion years, right, kind of attitude. But I think in the longer term, there is a steadier kind of growth that can come from taking the sort of perspective that, that you and I are taking. And ultimately, because people aren't going to be burned out because the people that are working for the business are going to want to be there are going to feel inspired every day to work there. I think that business wins in the end. Mm-hmm. We just need to have a time horizon that allows for that winning to happen. I agree. And I sometimes talk to my clients about optimizing profitability rather than maximizing profitability. Because sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've had clients who say, you know what, I don't want to pay my people less because I care about them and I want them to be here in a long term. They're way more productive, but they take a bit of hit on margin, but they're still profitable. And they're like, I'm okay with that because I feel good about my life. It's not just about my bank account. It's about my life. And knowing that I treat other people with humanity and decency fills me up as much as a good bank account does. That's right. And if forced to confront the question, most CEOs even will realize in the end even if I don't 100% know it'll be more profitable, and you know, I think ultimately it will be, when they go deep enough, if you help them uncover their humanity, they'll realize they care about that so much more than they've admitted in the past. I agreed. Now listen, one of the things we're trying to do with this podcast is help others see that they can make a difference with their business by you know, sharing the stories of other people like you who've walked yeah. that path. And one of the yeah. objections people have sometimes is something along the lines of, Oh, well, that's good for them. But, you know, look, they're, he's, he's super smart or she's got some crazy talent. I mean, Dan was a corporate yep. lawyer. He's worked with politicians. I can't do what he's done. So I'm wondering if you can actually share a couple of things. Like one, what were your biggest fears about doing yeah. this? And yeah. what's been your biggest setback or failure? Yeah. And, you know, how did you overcome it? Yeah, I would love to. And, you know... I'm going to, I think I can even answer both of those simultaneously with one story that pops to mind. So we talk about integrity and there was a period in our business where um, we weren't walking the talk enough. 
So we weren't walking the walk, excuse me, enough. And, you know, we charge at a very, very high price point. We work with people at a very deep level who are, are going to be transformed. And we transform businesses and CEOs. That can only happen at the highest possible level with external support. Someone who is external to the company, who can see the back of your hair, who can challenge you on all of the shit that all of us humans bring to the table. And we weren't willing to invest at a high enough level to get the right kind of support for a time. And it's funny, you know, as, as a coach, there's this idea that you really should have your own coach. And I doubted that for some time. I thought I could do it all on my own. And you talk about the fact that some people might see you or I and think, wow, they're really smart. I can't do what they do. Eh, IQ can be a detriment in business. Yes, it can. Almost all of the CEOs we work with, they're drawn to us. They're high IQ. We're high IQ. I'll own that. But that's not just a good thing. And it isn't because sometimes, especially idea people, high IQ idea people get obsessed with an idea. It may not be a good one. And they're ten, they tend to, because they've succeeded in the past, be really good at thinking they can do it all on their own. But because as human beings, we can't see the back of our own hair, we need external support to really build the best businesses and people. And so I was unwilling to invest in someone really, really extraordinary to see the back of our hair because of my own arrogance and my own intellect getting in the way. And so we dropped down, you know, to about 10,000 a month, which for a business that has achieved the results we have for clients was, I mean, we, we should be way above that. And we are now, and we hired a coach and she's world-class still works with us to this day. And I got to a place of allowing the same kind of vulnerability in myself that is required for our clients to get the results that we know we can deliver. And so we went from 10,000 to 75,000 a month, way back up really, really quickly. And we still work with this person because it's magic and I have to be authentic, right? I can't convince others to invest in themselves at a super high level if I don't do the same thing. Right. Nice. Nice. I, I once, I had hired a coach and I actually fired him because it was during one of the economic downturns. Um, I was, I was doing, I think triple what he was in terms of revenue. Um, yeah. And I, I experienced a bit of a downturn. And he, he started to give me the economy as an excuse. And I was like, no, dude, <laughs> there is yeah. the economy. And then there is my economy. And my economy consists of like 20 or 30 clients that I work with at a time. And that's, yeah. you know, so don't yeah. give me that. So it's having, yeah. to your point, is having that right coach who isn't going to, you know, have their own stuff get in the way, but will actually be there to support you. Yes. And what do yeah. you, we, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Warren. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, it's so important when we talk about external support to hire the right person. Sometimes if we haven't gotten good external support, we can think, ah, we can be cynical about consultants and coaches and think, ah, none of them are any good. They're all bloodsuckers. Not true. I can assure you, I speak at a super high level of integrity when I say the right people can change your world, but they've got to be the right people. And we can, if, if it might be helpful for guests, talk about how to find the right people. But but understand that there are coaches and consultants that um, deliver what they say they can deliver and more. And it's magic when you find them. Right. And what are you, what are you struggling with right now? Like what's the, what's next for mm. Fireside? Mm. Really, really good question. What are we struggling with right now? Um, life is good. Not going to lie. Life is quite good. I think for us, probably the biggest struggle is, um, 
as we grow, you know, and think about what kind of team can best serve our clients, you know, we're broad-minded people. We see all kinds of possibilities and picking between them about how we're constantly improving our service offering. We can let our clients give us some answers to that question, but sometimes, you know, my business partner and I disagree. I'll be very candid about that, about this sort of thing. Right? A shock, (laughs) a shock. And the past couple of days, we've had some disagreements about some ways that we might improve our service offering. And it's a beautiful conversation when you can be so transparent with one another, but we still have some figuring out to do on, on that level. And it's fun. I know we'll get there, but some of these conversations, um, they can get spicy. They oh, really sure. can. Yeah. yeah. So just two last questions. I know we're, we've been chatting for a while and I've really enjoyed it. Um, coming, we know we're kind of sort of notionally, you know, the, the numbers are a little bit uneven right now in terms of what's happening, but as businesses seem to feel like they're coming out of the pandemic, you know, and if there is going to be some kind of economic recovery, facing that, you know, coming out of this period through this lens of humanity, if you, if you had just one or two pieces of advice for a CEO, for an entrepreneur right now, coming out the other mm. end of this, what would it mm. be? Mm. This is a moment, the first is, this is a moment of reflection where so much has the potential to change with so many businesses coming back with the economy no longer being an excuse for a business struggling with so much possibility, you want to get phenomenal external support to ask key questions. You do not want to be arrogant enough to think that you can figure it out on your own. I know we can't and people smarter than us can't either. And so creating a space, whatever it is internally, externally, I would argue externally, but creating a space where you can bring your thorniest questions is going to be vitally important to reflect in a way that moves your business forward. First thing I would say is be vulnerable, create a space in which you can really talk about your thorniest questions and get people that can see the back of your own hair um, so that you'll ultimately be forced to deal with the things that are stopping you. So that's suggestion number one. Suggestion number two is be kind you know, the world needs it. People need it right now. We're all in search of connection and kindness. And your business can be a vehicle for that if you bring that energy to the table. And so I really advise folks to be kind to people, you know, catch yourself when you're not. We all have stressful days and we can lose our center. But if you bring real kindness to the table, you know, I'm a big believer that the world will will pay that back serve others, be kind to your team, to customers, to other leaders that you meet, and they'll appreciate it. Good things will happen. And that's interesting. I think sometimes the value of an outside perspective on that is underappreciated because there's a mm-hmm. lot of times where people, we, you know, I always say that smart people don't tell themselves stupid lies. And so when you rational, it's really easy to rationalize things. So if somebody's done something and you get mad and you re- reply in some negative way. Most people are not going to go, well, you shouldn't have done that. But if you're saying we want to be a source of kindness and of humanity in the world, sometimes you need somebody to say to you, were you really being your best right there? Were you being your kindest? Was there an alternative way of approaching that? Like We often think that the coach or the external person is really there about the business issues or about our personal psychology. But just sometimes if you say to someone, like a lot of the work I do with clients is around the values in their business and to be able to yeah. be challenged to say, you know, you say you've got that value. Did, was that really a play right now? Yeah. 
And those yeah. create some really interesting conversations. So the fact that, you know, I, I agree with you that bringing that outside perspective, and it isn't, it isn't just about intelligence, right? It's just about that perspective. It doesn't matter how smart you are. There are certain things about yourself that you can't see. And that's where that value is. Um, now, where do, where, do, where do people find you? How can they yeah. learn more? And what would, what would an engagement with you actually look like for a CEO? Yeah. So I would suggest people go to firesidestrategic.com slash thought partnership. That's a great way to, to start to take a look at, at what we're up to. And if you're interested, you know, I think we could probably probably have space for about two or three more, more clients at the moment. So you can go to firesidestrategic.com slash thought partnership to, to learn more about that offer. And, um, you know, you asked, where does this name Fireside Strategic come from? So, you know, FDR is famous for his fireside chats. Right? Right. He was famous for creating a conversation where he would level with people and tell them the truth about what was happening in the country that he led. And so fireside chats have become, you know, for CEOs, sort of a convention, right? Where with warmth, with you know, bringing their humanity to, to the table, you speak to a CEO in a fireside chat setting. It's become like a trope of the CEO world. For us, we lean into the truth and the warmth angles of this mythical idea of the fireside chat. And when you're able to bring warmth and truth to a conversation, you know, we say that we, what does an engagement with us look like? It's, I'll, I'll give you some practical stuff, but, but just at a high level, you know, we give our clients a hug and kick their ass at the same time, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what so many CEOs need. And in terms of what an engagement looks like, there's a broad pattern that we're noticing. You know, it takes many forms, but the broad pattern that we're noticing is that in the B2B world where all of our clients are, there's all these fancy things that a high IQ CEO does, shiny objects that get in the way of the, the 20% of actions that get, get 80% of the results. And just as an example, referrals are always the way to grow before anything else at B2B company. And almost no B2B companies have ways to systematize referrals. So for us, it often begins with, let's find the 20% of actions that get 80% of the results. And for our B2B clients, it's almost always referrals. Number two, we then, once we've gotten a business to that point where they're sort of 80% to where they could be, we get a business rolling at a good foundational level. Then we have a conversation about what the 100% looks like. Once we pick the low-hanging fruit, what does the real dream business look like? Because now you've got the spaciousness to pursue it. So step two is, let's have a real thought partnership conversation together, a real fireside chat together about what your dream is. And then step three is, as a CEO, we help you become the human that can actually build that business. We talk about what kinds of shifts with you, with your team, are really going to get you there. We can do some strategic stuff. We can lead with the business growth to get you 80% of the way there. But step three, once we know what that 100%, 200% business looks like, now we got to lead with humanity. We got to really be aligned. Everyone has to be aligned and on the same page to get there. So step one is stop doing the shiny objects, build the 80% business with the quick, hey, let's pick the low hanging fruit. Step two is let's do some really serious thought partnership to determine the 100%, 200% business. And then step three is let's become the people and the leader that can create that. Awesome. And so just say the, just say the URL one more time. So, so at the end, people get it. 
with pleasure. Firesidestrategic.com slash thought partnership, T-H-O-U-G-H-T, partnership, P-A-R-T-N-E-R-S-H-I-P. That's the URL. Take a look. You can also mess around our, our website with a few other little things there, but the, that's the URL I, I suggest people start with. Thanks so much, Dan. I've really, really enjoyed the conversation, bringing humanity into business as the new the new way of doing business coming out of the pandemic, I think can be truly transformative, not just for business, but for society. So I, I applaud you and your partners on, on the work you're doing. And thank you so much for joining us here on the, on the Spotlight. Hi, it's Warren Coughlin here. Thank you so much for listening to the Business That Matters Spotlight. If you're a successful, values-driven entrepreneur who makes a difference while making a profit and you'd like to be on this program, please visit warrencoglin.com slash podcast slash apply. That's warren, C-O-U-G-H-L-I-N dot com slash podcast slash apply. If you got something out of this interview, would you do us a favor and share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag business that matters spotlight. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any episodes. Go ahead and subscribe your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, warrencoglin.com or follow me on LinkedIn, facebook.com slash a business that matters and Instagram at warren.coglin. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.